Hello, I'm Laura Hamilton. Welcome to Book Larder Podcast, where we share author talks from the kitchen of Seattle's Community Cookbook Shop. Happy 2020 and welcome to the first podcast of the new decade. I hope your year and your decade are off to an excellent start. Since we get so many questions from customers at this time of year about healthy eating, we thought it would be the perfect time to share this conversation with Sarah Adler about her new book, Simply Real Eating. Sarah lives here in Seattle, and a few years ago, she started a nutrition coaching business called Simply Real Health with the goal of helping clients create healthy relationships with food. We met when she self-published her first cookbook, Simply Real Health, which aimed to share her recipes and philosophy with a broader audience. That then led to a publishing contract, and late last year she released her current book, Simply Real Eating, which focuses on cooking easy, healthy meals every day. She was in conversation in our kitchen with local food writer and cookbook author Sarah Dickerman in December 2019. Here's Sarah Adler and Simply Real Eating. Well, I think it's a great time to be thinking about healthier food choices as we're all coming off the holiday. The thing I love about your writing is it isn't about guilt or shame about eating. It's really embracing that feast that we might have had with our family and then figuring out a great rhythm of eating. So what I love is the sort of interstitial stuff that talks about uh, rituals and embracing that part of eating as a way to helping find a healthier path in eating. For me, when I wrote the first book, that book just poured out of me. It was like just these recipes that I felt like people needed to have. And if they had them, they would know that healthy eating doesn't have to be hard. Like it truly can be five ingredients or less. It can be like 15 minutes or less. And it doesn't have to be overwhelming. It didn't have to be confusing. It could be like truly that simple. And so it was like this wanting to capture that. And so I became known as the simple recipe girl. Like, yes, it's healthy, but you may not even notice that it's healthy because it's delicious. And most importantly, it's easy. (laughs) And for most people, that's like what we're working with. We're busy. I always talk about we're busy humans on the go, like with busy rhythms in life, whether that's you stay at home with a family or you are working full time or anything in between that. We are all busy and food is something that falls to the wayside a lot. We didn't think about it. We forgot about it. Then we get Mm -hmm. overwhelmed. Then we get stressed. And then everybody's talking about the new way to do this, or this is the best way to eat, or this is the best way. And it's always changing. It gets really overwhelming. So that book was the solution to that of like what to eat. But more often than not, I feel like people think the problem is food. Oh, if I only like maybe knew what to cook or what to make for dinner. But in my experience, when I work with people one-on-one, I do a lot of coaching. Behind the scenes, it would always present itself as food is the thing that I struggle figuring out. I struggle. I just don't get how this works and works well. But behind all of that, there is so much more on the mental part of our health and the emotional part of our health Mm -hmm. and how we relate to food and what we use food for and the rituals and rhythms that we Mm -hmm. have around food can be so much more important, just as important, I think, to think about. And so with the second book, I wanted to just kind of start that conversation because everything I do 
coaching, when I do like one-on-one and in group programs, it's all about this mental and emotional relationship to food. And that's what changes people from being in the camp of eating healthy sometimes when they can or when they have enough time, an actual healthy lifestyle day in, day out, season in, season out, no matter how busy they are. It's something that's a little bit more flexible and fluid and can go with the busy busy rhythms of life Mm -hmm. as opposed to it being something that you don't do because you're busy. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to take the time to explain some of those foundations. And the book is supposed to be a handbook as to how to create a healthy lifestyle, but how to create a healthy lifestyle that lasts through all of those things and all of the changes. And I think there's principles that none of us ever get taught Right, And that they do relate to food, even though it may not seem like the two are connected. They are very, very heavily connected. Mm-hmm. So it's, our health is a physical thing, but it's also a mental thing and it's also a, an emotional thing. And all three of those things are connected. When you feed one, it helps feed and boost the other. Right. You know? And no one meal is healthy. It's a lo- it's an endurance sport, right? Like yeah. it's it's <laughs> so you need to think about what you can do to continue to think about ways that food can help improve your health, but also how eating together or respectfully eating alone right. can help improve your health too. So tell me about some of those principles. Yes. So the first one is just starting to identify what real food is, is always mm-hmm. the first principle for me. And because that takes away so much clutter, <laughs> truly from everything we learn, like just learning how to look at something. Has this been around for thousands of years? Is this something that I could buy in different continents and different Mm -hmm. cultures like is this something that is grown can it be fished can it be farmed in some way then it's probably real food or if it has a label on it then looking at the label and seeing it should be as simple as a few things that you recognize nothing that's really made in a factory or Mm -hmm. in a plant of some sort because those types of foods while they're everywhere Mm -hmm. are things that also have kind of gotten in the way of us being able to tell what our body needs intuitively. And they can be things that just sort of like mess up a lot of signals that we have. So I always say eating real food is the food that your body can digest the best. So it's the kindest thing that you can do for your body is just keeping it to things that it actually knows how to deal with easier. It can deal with lots of stuff. Nobody's going to fall down on the side, you know, eating a Snickers bar. Like, you'll be fine. You know, we've all done that many times before, but it's just the concept of over time what you do really matters Mm -hmm. and just starting to lean into more nutrient-dense food. And that is truly what starts healing your gut and that's what starts to heal your mood and that's what starts, you just feel a little bit more energized. And Mm -hmm. so that is before anything else. Mm-hmm. has to happen mm-hmm. that has to happen first it's just a transition to more real food all across the board whether that's dessert whether that's cocktails whether that's ice cream whether that's pizza I really think that there's a way to do whatever you want to have but in a real food way one reason that all those other foods have developed along the way though mm-hmm. is time mm-hmm. not it's not the only reason but part of it is time I mean it does take more time to process vegetables mm-hmm. in the kitchen than mm-hmm. it does to buy a ready-made meal yeah what are some of your strategies for thinking about time and also working with whole foods buying ingredients that can last a little while in your fridge that definitely helps like especially if you are not the meal planner type mm-hmm. where you like have everything laid out for the week that works for a lot of people a lot of my clients, a lot of people that I work with, they love that. It's like their favorite Mm -hmm. thing. For me, I don't 
like that at all. It makes me feel confined and yeah. like claustrophobic. Yeah. I, I'm like, share that. I, don't know, I, don't know, I don't know what I'm going to want or feel like. I want to be organized in sort of a disorganized way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so that, that kind of is how having a pantry that is well stocked helps save mm-hmm. So many things. So having ingredients that don't go bad and or ingredients that you can use in at least like four different ways. Mm -hmm. So a bunch of kale. Mm -hmm. It's great. It lasts longer than lettuce. It's very nutrient dense. One of the healthiest Mm -hmm. foods for you. You could throw it in a stir fry, right? You could put it in a smoothie Mm -hmm. for like a green smoothie. You could chop it up and marinate it with dressing and then it becomes a salad. Having things that can do multiple Mm -hmm. purposes, a yam, right? You could turn it into sweet potato fries or Mm -hmm. you could just roast the whole thing and mash it with coconut oil and cinnamon. Or, you know, if it's already cooked, then you could throw that part into a smoothie or like Mm -hmm. things that can do just multiple jobs, multiple Mm -hmm. roles, depending how you feel at least those are some things that Mm -hmm. help me whether it's a crock pot or an instant pot or a cast iron I honestly cook most meals on one cast iron skillet Mm -hmm. we don't own like a set of pots like it's Mm -hmm. just very simple and Mm -hmm. when in doubt just roast it 400 degrees (laughs) and all oil and sea salt and pepper yeah that more or less works yeah Yeah. that's true yeah okay but you had a baby a year ago is that right yeah Next month. So okay. December. So, so 11 months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So all this gets even more complicated. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's been funny. I can't even tell you how many people would say, I can't wait till you have a kid. Mm-hmm. I can't wait till you have a baby and you see what it's like. Mm-hmm. Like you see the thing. You see how hard it is. You see how different it is. And granted, I'm mm-hmm. only a urine. He's mm-hmm. not a toddler. <laughs> right now, he eats everything that I will feed him. Mm-hmm. You know, like right. overjoyed by food in itself, which is such a good reminder. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, feed him banana. I'm like, you're right. Banana is so good. Like it's like <laughs> such a treat, you know? Like it's such a good reminder of those oh, like great. little simple things. Mm-hmm. But I have found that I honestly am not doing anything different. I'm shopping kind of the same. I cook the same style of stuff. He's kind of eating the same thing that we're eating because it's normal right. at this point. I kind of am like, oh my gosh, but I could see how this is really overwhelming if you have never cooked for yourself. Mm-hmm. If you've never kind of taken that on, that all of a sudden it becomes so much more pressure, like what you're feeding your kid mm-hmm. or your baby and you feel overwhelmed and stressed. So I'm like, even more reason to like at some point it doesn't matter what age you are it doesn't matter what your skills are like this is a life skill learning how to cook a few basic things it doesn't have to be fancy it doesn't have to be something that's like but what you'll find when you do cook that way which is the way that I know you cook Mm -hmm. too it, it is so just satisfying and so deeply nourishing Mm -hmm. and so in the moment it makes you feel better and virtuous and just like great about yourself but also Mm -hmm. over time what that does for your body and I think for your health and for the people Mm -hmm. around you like just knowing that this is a normal thing that we do as humans is like we cook we take the time to eat Mm -hmm. and so that's the flip side of the conversation of I'm too busy and like too busy with what though you know there's some are there some things that you're maybe doing or ways that you're spending your time that are not actually giving back to Mm -hmm. you in ways that matter there's that feedback of cooking that's really gratifying and I don't think everyone feels it the same way I'm very responsive to it too but as you said even the small thing my husband doesn't cook at all and um, (laughs) I, I couldn't get home for dinner and we were having guests and I like had to like talk him 
through yeah. a roast chicken yeah. on the phone. Yeah. And oh boy, that was like, he was so, so <laughs> proud. Has he done it again? No, but yeah. like it worked. Yeah, he served a lovely dinner and then he yeah. asked about a salad and how he could do that. And I was like, what? It's so great. Like, <laughs> But so even someone who's new to it can really find that gratification. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what do your dinners look like? Do you do anything at the dinner time to help think holistically? For the most part, I always, the first thing I think of when I think of what are we going to have or what are mm-hmm. What are we going to make? What am I going to make for dinner? My husband is great. He knows how to make a couple things. And that's Mm -hmm. what I kind of tell people too. I'm like, at least pick five things. Every Mm -hmm. person can learn to make five things, whether it's a soup or it's a a good smoothie or it's, you know, Mm -hmm. you can, there's great eggs. You can nail five things, like, and everybody needs their five go-tos. Right. For me, when I think about dinner and meals, I want most of my plate to be vegetables. And so it's usually a matter of, okay, what season is it? Like, do I want them to be warm? Do I want them to be cold? Um, and is there anything I can do to make ahead? I'm such a mm-hmm. huge fan of making things ahead. So right this time of year in the winter, that's like a lot of soups or it's Mm -hmm. roasting vegetables like most of the time and I'll try to do those in batches if I'm getting my knives out if I'm getting the cutting board out I'm like what else do I got like let's do it all and then I just keep it for Mm -hmm. the week and put those on salads or puree the roasted vegetables into a soup but vegetables take center stage and then Mm -hmm. to me there is no one right way to eat other than eating real food so real food is the first step The second step is then starting to pay attention to what your body does better with. And Mm -hmm. I know that that sounds like how people say like, oh, I just eat intuitively. Like I just know Mm -hmm. exactly what to eat. And some people are like, my body intuitively like wants cupcakes all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, like what does that mean? But I think that that's something where you just, once you start eating real food, it then it is this natural process that starts to happen because so much of the clutter kind of gets cleared away. A lot of the extra sugars, things that are spiking your blood sugar and then dropping you back down. When all those things are kind of like set to the side, it becomes so much easier to actually tell how you feel when you have a meal mm-hmm. and afterwards how mm-hmm. you feel after that meal. And so instead of doing something super extreme, taking out every grain and every kind of meat and every kind of sugar and every kind of glass of wine and mm-hmm. anything that is more fun, you know, mm-hmm. in some senses of the word. If you do it, I think in this way, it, it just makes it a lot easier to start to tell. So like some people do great with more protein, more animal protein than others. Some people do really well with grains and other people feel like their energy tanks after they have grains, even if they're the best gluten-free whole grains that there are mm-hmm. out there. And so um, with our dinners, I always try to be aware that my uh, my needs may be slightly different than my husband's mm-hmm. and now maybe slightly different than my son's. And so if vegetables are the base, everybody does pretty great with vegetables. And mm-hmm. my husband sometimes needs a little bit more protein than mm-hmm. I do. We have stuff in the fridge he can he can make a chicken breast if he needs it, he wants to add it on. Or, you know, he can make some ground grass-fed beef if he wants to. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and maybe once a week I'll feel the need for that. Mm-hmm. But um, having things like a little bit customizable is always my way to go. And even having people over, same thing. Like making a meal that's mostly vegetables and then people can kind of add in other things on top or to their meal that makes it a little bit easier for people to kind of I I want people to feel encouraged to do that for themselves that they don't have to eat the same way that the you know chef of the house is Uh, one of the great strategies for 
for feeding my really quite picky children has been, and it seems obvious now, but it took me a while to come to, is taco night. So I'll just warm up tortillas and then I'll have good options, but you know, they're not going to want the same amount of salsa as I will on something. Everyone feels like they're, you know, sort of choosing their own adventure. Mm -hmm. It's really lovely. And it's been a, and it's been a great way to help, help get everyone on the same page instead of feeling like you're kind of customizing each plate. (laughs) And it makes it more fun too. And I I think just having that attitude, I try to do that at our table as well, even though right now it's so funny and hectic, like there's like food everywhere. And we're just like kind of trying to talk over like the Mm -hmm. babies here and, but just trying to keep it relaxed and Mm -hmm. fun. And we always say a little prayer before we eat, because I think sometimes in the busyness of life, we forget this is, this is such a blessing. Like we are so lucky. Let's just hit pause for a second Mm -hmm. and take this in. And I think that that on the emotional side and on the mental health side, there is something to be said about that too, because the way your body will digest food so much better when you are in a calm, relaxed Mm -hmm. state. You could eat the same exact meal. For some people, Thanksgiving is a very relaxing holiday and Mm -hmm. they're with family and people they love. And they eat this meal that's probably much more decadent than usual and maybe mm-hmm. things that they don't typically have or as much as they have, like dessert or wine or whatever, stuffing, whatever else it may be. And you can wake up the next morning feeling pretty great because mm-hmm. you were with people that you loved and you were adrenals were calm, your body was calm, you were just slow and taking it in versus that same meal eaten on the run or when you're stressed or when you're eating because you're trying to numb out or stuff down other feelings Mm -hmm. that digest entirely different. Same thing. If even if it's a green smoothie Mm -hmm. and you're so strung out and stressed out and it's a totally different thing, how your body processes Mm -hmm. it. And so, you know, having like those little rituals, like Mm -hmm. what I talk about in the book, it's about creating rituals that matter and that help you slow down and using food as a vehicle for some of your rituals Mm -hmm. um, because you have to eat anyways, you Mm -hmm. know, so you might as well. Yeah, it's a thing that you can't just skip, right? That's the tricky thing about food. It's the tricky thing. You can't, it can't be all or nothing. You can't just completely avoid it Mm -hmm. or be sober from food Mm -hmm. because we need it to Mm -hmm. live. So it's just an interesting thing of like starting to create things in your life that help you slow down, check in with yourself. What's going on? What does my body Mm -hmm. need? What does it need more of? What does it need less of? And just learning how to listen. Mm -hmm. That is Mm -hmm. so much of what I teach and do is what is your body saying? Most of us have no idea. We've never thought about it. So what do you mean by what's your body saying? Like, Mm -hmm. what would that be? I think our bodies (laughs) are always talking to us. Uh We are always getting hits Always, Mm -hmm. all the time, whether something feels right or wrong or something feels exciting or non-exciting. Like I always try to think of it, is your body expanding or does it feel expansive or does it feel contracted? Whether that's a decision at work or, you know, in motherhood Mm -hmm. or with friendships or in marriage or in work, whatever it may be, there are so many moments throughout the day where something happens and we need to make a decision or Mm -hmm. we need to do. And if you get quiet, you can, it's a feel. Yes, that's so, feels like so right with everything or no. Mm -hmm. But so often we're just taught to shut down all of those things and just keep plowing forward and keep ahead and keep being busy and keep being the most productive superhumans that we can. But then that leads us to so much anxiety and mental health 
problem. Like it is a huge thing and depression and like everyone's overwhelmed and stressed out and we haven't really learned how to connect to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Sounds a little woo-woo, but I, it is everything, right? It is everything behind a healthy life mm-hmm. comes down to listening and starting to tune in a little bit more because we all have that voice. We just sometimes have never been trained as to how to actually pay attention to it Mm -hmm. and start to listen. I think a lot of it can start in that process of transitioning to real food Mm -hmm. because, again, a lot of the other clutter falls away and things become so much more simple. You're no longer, I don't know what to eat. Is it real food or is it not? Mm -hmm. Yes, It's a yes or no question that you can answer. You know, anyone can answer. If you're looking at the back of a label, if you're looking at something in the store, is it real food or not? You know, am I hungry or not? Yes or no question. Mm -hmm. And then that starts to clear up so much more space to even start to tune in and be a little Mm -hmm. bit more intentional with what you do. Mm -hmm. What about those things that we have a tendency to cut out when we're trying to be healthy, like alcohol and sweets? Mm -hmm. What's your tip for like moderating things that are hard to moderate? I find that can be tricky. Sometimes it's just easier for me just not to drink for a few weeks just because I'm like, it's, I don't know, things were creeping One up. One decision. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think there is room for the things that you love in life, but you have to get clear on what those are. You have to get clear on what those are for you versus what they are for other people. This is something that I struggled with for the longest time. I just could not figure out how people could eat cupcakes. I would get jealous about like people who could eat whatever they wanted. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, it's so not fair because I don't have an extreme personality well I used to but I don't have the extreme personality to be like I'm never doing that again you know like (laughs) I am never gonna have brownies again I'm never gonna have cookie you know I'm never gonna do all these things like I just knew that that wasn't realistic because that's what I tried to do for Mm -hmm. most of my life was very very rigid and very very extreme eating and it never got me anywhere really (laughs) made things so much harder and overwhelming but um I think that you just have to get clear on what you, what is meaningful to you. So what like lights you up? What brings you so much joy? What do you love every sip of, every mm-hmm. bite of, if you were actually paying attention? And it could be because it reminds you of something in childhood. Or it could be because it's something that you, I don't know, like weren't allowed to have and now mm-hmm. you're allowed to have. Or it could be, you know, a lot of different things. But I would say most people have about three things, hmm. whether that's, and I define them as just like, they're not like health promoting foods. They're mm-hmm. not like nutrient dense foods, but they maybe are amazing texture, amazing flavor, whether it's a glass of wine or really like a loaf of really beautiful bread or it's cookies or it's muffins. I tell people, get specific. Mm-hmm. What is it? You can't just say baked goods. <laughs> Try, you know, fine, you can, but you're not going to feel great if you're like, All baked goods, you know, like anytime I see a baked good, I am going to have one. Is it scones particularly because they're the crunch on top and there's a little like, you know, sugar crystals and I like the mixture of the fruit, but with something more like oaty and grainy or are you a diehard brownie chocolate fan? Is it maybe not baked goods at all? It's just like really good dark chocolate. Or maybe it's really good milk chocolate. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's a really great piece of pizza. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, all those things are great, right? They all taste good. But figuring out for you, what are those three things that make life just so worth living? And then making sure those things are the best quality that you can find. So whether that's something that you make your own or it's you find a place that makes them like from scratch, your body is going to digest it so much better. And then you can actually be in the moment, like Mm -hmm. appreciate it in the moment. But however, 
That means the rest of the stuff, don't waste your time on. It's not worth it. Even if you see like somebody brings cupcakes into work mm -hmm. and you're like, ooh, a cupcake. You know, we like think it's this magical special occasion. Like what's the occasion? It's a Wednesday, you know? And then you eat it just because it's there and because it looks special or because it's a treat. And then you feel horrible later because you don't really care about it. You didn't really enjoy it. It's not truly your thing. Like it is such a mental difference, I think, mm -hmm. between the two. And so whatever it is, there's a way to do it upgraded. I always believe that. Mm -hmm. And then actually enjoy it. Mm -hmm. What are your three things? My three things <laughs> um, are rosé, not just like wine specifically, but like a dry French rosé. It reminds me of traveling mm -hmm. um, with my dad. My, I have always grown up, my dad is really into wine and from like 12 years old, this may sound, <laughs> sorry dad, on the podcast, but he was always just like teaching about the art of it and collecting it and tasting it. And um, we got to take a trip together a couple years before I got married and we went through um, Provence and like the French um, region just specifically for rosé. It was just the most special trip. Mm -hmm. And for me, food and wine is something that I feel like are two areas that can be really fussy and complicated. But then when you travel to other cultures, you see that it is mm -hmm. just the most back to the basics, gathering and being with people you love and celebrating and being able to do that in a way that's not over the top, the way mm -hmm. we learn about mm -hmm. wine. So mine is a dry French rosé, chips, salsa, and guac <laughs> all the time. And, me, and then on those nights, a skinny margarita to go mm -hmm. with it. And then I love scones. Mm -hmm. So like gluten-free scones, that is my jam. They don't make gluten. I mean, not a lot of places make them. There is one in the book. That's why <laughs> it's in the book. Yeah, we heard you describing um, the crystal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you see, just like, I can just like envision it now. Um, those are things that I'm like, yeah, those are fully worth it. I never feel guilty about having them because to me, they, they bring so much joy mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel the need to, that's the other thing. You don't feel the need to overindulge because you're like, I know I'm going to have these again. These are my things. These are my joys. These are, yeah. there's no need to feel shame around them. There, I do like the mantra of there will always be another meal. I think that can be a helpful one. Yeah. And I'm not, I mean, yeah. I'm like, I'm not always doing, following the right path, but I do try to always say like, oh, just as I'm like reaching for the, the mm -hmm. leftovers in the, like on my kid's plate. Yes. Oh, well, there'll be another meal. In fact, that could be my, yes. <laughs> you know, that could be my next meal. Yeah. So, and I yeah. always feel yeah. so influenced like by what other people are doing. So whether that's true with food or with other things in life too, it's just a good reminder. It doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. It doesn't matter what everyone else is eating. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what's like what matters is what is good for you. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Although actually conversely, I think that Find, and, and I think you actually touch on this in some of your entertaining, finding a way to have people around doing the fun things, but doing it in a way that maybe do, that, that maybe sort of adheres more to the kind of choices you want to be making is also really great mm -hmm. and finding that, mm -hmm. that way to do it. And it's yes. hard because a lot, I just threw a party last night and like, what do you do? Uh, charcuterie and cheese out, mm -hmm. you know? So like, I like dutifully did remember to cut a, a whole bunch of lovely yes. vegetables. But, <laughs> you know, it can be hard because your first instinct is sometimes to not go to the choice that you think is necessarily the best for yourself. Mm -hmm. And how can you, how 
how can you keep people around? I really think that's so important is keep keeping people around you who are supportive of you and yeah. whatever choices you're making. Yes, it's so um, true. Luring them in with delicious pink hummus or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Yeah, I felt like you had a pretty controversial take on breakfast. Mm-hmm. She's a little dismissive of breakfast. <laughs> I do. There are lots of breakfast recipes in there. there Um, Breakfast and brunch. So, yeah, here's the thing. Breakfast is great. Mm -hmm. It's great if you're hungry. Not everyone is hungry Mm -hmm. in the morning. It's just one of those things that we are, it's one of those messages that we are always taught. But when you're actually paying attention to your body, Mm -hmm. could end up not being the case. Mm -hmm. So it's just an example. Uh, Like I kind of say it because I'm like to be a little cheeky because I know it. Mm-hmm. really bothers people and they get really like deeply offended. I used to be mm-hmm. 100% a breakfast person. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was the only meal. Literally through college, I think I ate cereal for almost mm-hmm. every meal, as many meals as I could. Oatmeal, just everything. Eggs. I was so into the breakfast message. Mm-hmm. But I also feel strongly about communicating that, you know what? You don't have to though. You don't have to. When you wake up in the morning, the most important thing is that you are hydrated. So have some water first Mm -hmm. and then make the call. And here's the thing. It could change every single day. Some mornings, maybe you had a really big dinner the night Mm -hmm. before and it was more hearty or more heavy or it was later or whatever the case. And you wake up and I would say, just be careful of being in autopilot mode. And that goes with every meal, Mm -hmm. breakfast, lunch, dinner, not to be eating just because that's what you're supposed to do or because the clock says it's time, but starting to pay attention to what's actually happening here. Mm -hmm. Oh, I did have dinner a little bit later or it was a little bit heavier or something. Oh, I may not need to eat the second that I get out of bed just in case. You know, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. very much a lot of that starts to figure itself out. Mm-hmm. Again, when you transition to real food, your blood sugar becomes more stable, and like the need to eat every two hours, like <laughs> most Americans do, is not mm-hmm. as much of a panic mm-hmm. situation. So mm-hmm. that's all I mean by that is breakfast is great. That could be seven in the morning for you, it could be 10 in the morning, it could be 1 p.m. I don't really mm-hmm. care. But I think that a lot of the messages that we get taught about food are just so backwards. When Mm -hmm. you actually think about, does that actually make sense? Is that the way that like our bodies actually work? Or is that something being taught because it's a solution to help people manage their blood sugar because they're eating not so great food? So it's part of a much bigger conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's really all I mean by that. Yeah, it's all more listening. Yes, (laughs) more listening, like a little more tuning in and just the automatic programming that most of us operate from instead of what does feel good to me? How does my body feel when I have Mm -hmm. something like, you know, eggs for breakfast versus something like, you know, toast with peanut butter or, you know, and learning kind of the differences, like test it out. I think some people get very serious sometimes, like about food, needing to know the perfect thing Mm -hmm. and the perfect, what's the exact perfect breakfast and the exact perfect time. And, you know, it's so much more, I think, about playing Mm -hmm. and experimenting in your daily life. I don't know, try, mix it up, test it out, see how you feel. And then like kind of just take some notes for yourself. I find the really hard thing is balancing the ease aspect that how, what can I do that I could do regularly on a weekday Mm -hmm. when everything's cuckoo Mm -hmm. with 
my need for novelty and interest in flavors that I love. Yeah. And that is always, and even in writing recipes, it's always that, that sort of a balance I'm thinking of in my mind is, I'm sure, I bet there's a recipe in there that you go to more frequently than others, say for oh, yeah. lunch, right? For sure. And like, how do you balance that with like also the craving that I think a lot of people who love food have, which is like, you know, I really wonder what that new um, pickle, that new mango pickle I got at the store <laughs> tastes like and how, you know, how do I, how do I put those two things together? Do yeah. you find that you're thinking about that balance a lot in your... So what cooking? I do is the beginning part of the day, for me, it's usually lunch. Although since I have been pregnant and then now nursing for a year, I do need to have breakfast. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing, you know, yeah. thing. I'm like, it, it's always changing. Like what you need always change. It's now you're not going to eat the same thing for and then for the rest of your life, you'll be fine right. in your routine. So there's that. I think for me, if it's the mid morning food, breakfast, lunch, I keep those streamlined. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much mm-hmm. one of two things. And maybe the ingredients change as the seasons change. Mm-hmm. So if it's a smoothie, it may be that in the winter, I just don't put ice in it. You know, it's more like room temperature and then it's a smoothie bowl and I top it with like nuts and seeds and Mm -hmm. other stuff. But it's always pretty much a smoothie bowl, Mm -hmm. you know? Or for lunch, it's a soup, it's a salad, or it's a make-ahead dish. I'm not getting fancy. I'm not, oh, I'm like, I have to work. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm a working mom full-time. Like there is no room to mess around at all. And so while I may be home and I do love cooking and I do value like my health and food, and that's a huge value in my life, Mm -hmm. I'm also like, this has to be so streamlined and efficient Mm -hmm. so I don't mess around. And so dinner is kind of the time that I play Mm -hmm. more so really like weekends, to be honest. Weekends I kind of cook for fun. Like I try to have at least during the weekend – an hour somewhere worked in there where I'm just making something without any pressure, where I'm just kind of like playing, experimenting, mm-hmm. testing, testing stuff out. And so that helps me knowing that that's my creative fun time. And then there's like the efficient workhorse right. recipes right. that I go back mm-hmm. to over and over. And all of those recipes are in the first book and this book. That's why they're there. These are the things I live, live off of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah, keeping that one vinaigrette in the fridge so it's easy to yes. make a salad. What canned things do you keep in the in the pantry? Full fat coconut milk. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like canned tomatoes. Mm-hmm. I mean, the basics like canned beans. Although now that I got an instant pot, I was so against the trend. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, like none of their gadget. I'm like such a minimalist in the kitchen. I have like one cast iron pan. I have my Vitamix, two knives, like that. But I got an instant pot. And I was like, all right, the beans and the grains, they just make them so much more digestible for me. Yeah. Quick. I mean, in the book, Mm -hmm. I list out like all my pantry staples, all the freezer staples, all the fridge, because it's such a part Mm -hmm. of making this easy. It's Mm -hmm. like you have to have some forethought. Mm -hmm. Nobody like eats really well and feels great without any type of plan. Right. Like no, like no one's just like winging it. You know, Mm -hmm. you either have pantry staples and then you get creative. Or you meal plan in some mm-hmm. sort of fashion that feels good. Right, right. Okay, I think we're close to question time. Yes. Um, what are your tips for when you're not the hostess or the chef? Especially um, around the holidays when you're either staying at someone's house or you're going to a party at someone's house. How do you Yeah. Every host or hostess is never going to say no to you helping to bring something. So, like, always bring what you want to eat. So I always bring the salad Or I'll bring some type of like side that I know is that I will eat. Like what? So if you're worried about that or staying with someone like, 
offer to cook something or be like, oh, I have this cool new cookbook. You know, like I wanted to try some recipes if they're cooks, if they like doing that or bring it as a hostess gift, like something like the um, cranberry walnut granola in there or something that you can like share with others too. I always find that helpful. Like you take the initiative, you bring the stuff that you want and then hostesses and hosts are always great thanks, you know, like one less thing that they have to do. Great question. So for our benefits that you are here and speaking of top threes, do you have a top three list on your book for this one of recipes that you love most? Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I can tell you my husband's favorite recipe off the top. That is the most requested in our house. It is the turkey sausage and veggie polenta bowls. Also most requested is, and I mean requested not only by him, but like friends. When we have people over, people are like, what what did you just make? What what was that? It's so easy, like simple enough I could do that. The other is the roasted chicken. Turkey sausage and veggie polenta bowls, page 190. And... Roasted sheet pan chicken and veggies. Kind of a classic, but just ideal. Like great on a Sunday, whatever. And then you can do so many things with those leftovers. And then, ooh, I don't know. Fall salad, you won't be able to quit. That's always top favorite. And then trying to think of my new life as a breakfast eater. (laughs) Uh, I mean, jam dots. Okay, scones and jam dots. They kind of like go together in one category. I have no control when it comes to those. See, and then these, the everyday smoothie bowl. This is honestly what I eat every day. The green kale smoothie bowl. It's what I have mostly for breakfast, lunch. Can you describe the process of how you started your blog and then kind of what made you want to branch into the cookbook? Yeah, totally. So when I started Simply Real Health, it really was like a project that was based out of my own need to cook real food. Um, And I talk a lot about it actually in the book, in the intro, I did a lot more behind the scenes of like my own story with food and my journey to finding real food. And after having just crazy habits and just being super restrictive and like obsessed with being healthy and being like perfect at everything, that process to healing really started with finding out what real food was and just that it was backwards of everything that I had ever learned. And I was somebody who was obsessed and read everything, every nutrition textbook, every diet book, everything. I was like my own guinea pig for years until pretty much through college, really, and had this just strange obsession with wanting to be healthy, which at the, now it's cool. You guys, now it's like such a cool, trendy thing. Back then it was the weirdest thing. Like my friends were like, what? Like just eating their pizza. They're like, just could not comprehend that I would like be so into wanting to be healthy. But finding real food was such such an aha moment for me, not only for my mental space and capacity, I realized I had so taken up so much time and so much of my headspace was taken up by all these mini conversations about food and what to eat and what to not eat and what was good and what was better. And okay, then how much is I going to go work out and how much was I going to do? Like full blown a, a world going on up here that I didn't even know was weird. I didn't even know that like other people just were like very peaceful and calm and happy about food. There was like always conversation going in my head, always deals I was making with myself, always diets I was trying. And at the end of the day, like the world of real food just took all of that and like flatlined it and made it so simple and so easy. And then I felt so disturbed 
that I had spent my entire life learning and trying and testing. And nobody had ever once told me actually how easy it is because mm-hmm. there's, no, there's no money to be made in that. There's no marketing. There's no food companies that can profit from it. There's no, you know, and, and without getting like too political into that, I was like so deeply disturbed that that had been the first time I had ever heard that like butter wasn't the worst thing for you, that it wasn't about calories as much as it was about the content and the quality of what you're eating. And for me, it just opened up this whole world that I didn't even know was there because I was busy thinking about, oh, I can only have a quarter slice of an an avocado because it's too much fat, you know? And then looking at through the lens of real food, it's like, no, avocado is a real food, period. That's it. Period. Is it real food? Is it not? Yes, it is. Great. Eat it. Is butter a real food? And I'd be like, how many calories? And it's just too much fat. And everybody knows, you know, don't eat butter and you'll get fat. And is it real food? Where does it come from? How many ingredients does it have? Is it real food? Period. Done. Great. And so all of a sudden it was like food was so much more interesting. And I could go into a grocery store and there was hundreds of things to look at, to play with, to try, to test. I'm like, I could have butter. I could have whole milk I had avoided my entire life, you know, so like things like that. So this, and I I kind of walked through my story about what that meant and what that looked like. And that's truly how I started cooking was because I would see and would be so excited by these things that all of a sudden were on the table, you know, literally and figuratively on the table for me now. And then going to try and learn to cook was so complicated and it was so overwhelming and it was like lists of ingredients and like I didn't know whether I needed to be vegan or vegetarian or paleo or keto or whatever it was in the moment. And I would get so overwhelmed and so like I didn't have the money to buy all those things. I didn't like have the time or the patience. I just wanted to eat good because I felt so good that way. And so that was like the motivation and the starting point of just like, okay, I want to eat well. I want to eat real food. But can I do this simply? Can I do this quickly? Can I do this easily? Because while I value food, I also have this whole other life. I have friendships I want to maintain. Like I was like dating at the time. I was working a full-time job. It was not the only thing in my life, but it was the thing I knew that if I had that piece down and figured out, everything else became so much easier. So that's where the blog started. Horribly lit pictures Mm -hmm. on a black countertop after work. And I was just playing around. So I'm like, okay, I see this recipe here. I don't have time for any of that. I don't have those ingredients, but I have, I can see the basics. And so then I would just turn, and that was kind of how I started like simplifying and trying to teach myself and trying to learn. And that's where it all started. Yeah, the longest answer ever. Sorry. (laughs) Thank you so much. Yes. Thanks, you guys. Thank you to Sarah Adler for launching her new book with us and to Sarah Dickerman for leading the conversation. As always, you can get 10% off a copy of Simply Real Eating and any other books featured on Booklarder Podcast by visiting booklarder.com and entering the code podcast at checkout. We have signed copies of many of the featured books you've heard here, so be sure to get one of those while they last. And if you visit us in the shop, just mention that you heard about a book on the podcast for 10% off in-store as well. This episode was produced and edited by Abby Circatella. Our theme music was composed by James Coley. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and if you like what you heard here, leave us a rating and review to help others find us. You can also follow us on Facebook, 
Twitter, and Instagram, where our handle is at BookLarder. And for more information about BookLarder, including author talks, cooking classes, and to join our monthly email newsletter, visit BookLarder.com. If you find yourself in Seattle, please visit us in person at 4252 Fremont Avenue North. I'm Laura Hamilton. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.